to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 145 of the Travel Like Boss podcast. This is another solo episode. I'm here in Taiwan and the reason why I want to do this is because my guest for this week decided not to do this. And there's so many valuable lessons that I wanted to share that I just couldn't do. And instead of just passing it up, I decided I'm going to just hang out in my hotel room here in Taiwan for an hour and hang out with you guys and share these kind of thoughts and insights on what I really wanted to share with my buddy Mason, we'll call him that. Uh, so I don't blame him. It's just not, it's not that he, it fell through. It's that he, you know, waited until he, he told me in person when we were hanging out in Bangkok that he didn't want to do it. And his rationale is that he's a private person, that he doesn't like to share things with the, with the world. And I, you know, I, I guess I understand because everyone's different. Uh, but I, it also was a big revelation on what the world gives you back when you give a lot to the world. I firmly, firmly believe that the more you put out into the universe, the more good you put out there, or the more information you put out there that can potentially help other people, the more that you'll get back in return. And I've been so blessed and fortunate to have been paid back both financially, but as well as with opportunities, with great friendships, with, op- you know, different, I mean, everything from, you know, places I get to go, things I get to see, uh, even like fun experiences I get to have. It's because I've always been open sharing things, uh, even though I'm still trying to figure it out. So a very good example would be for Invest Like a Boss, the other podcast I do. I'm not an investment expert and neither is Sam. And both of us are sharing both our ups and downs on, on that podcast. We're, we're sharing our, our learning experiences. In the most recent episode, Sam actually shared how he lost a million dollars because of being negligent. He trusted um, the money he made from selling the business uh, to a financial advisor and signed over you know, basically what you call power attorney to him say, you know, you have the right to sell or um, buy assets under my account without my permission. And the reason why he did that is partially because he didn't really know what he was doing anyways. Uh, so he kind of assumed that the financial advisor would know best, which is like what we like to assume, when we, especially when we pay someone in that position. Uh, but second is because he didn't do the research himself yet. And some of you guys might be thinking, oh, that's silly. You know, I would never have done that. But you know what? At the same time, we were never in his position, his position to be able to make that much money. So it's one of those things where he didn't need to share that. He can look smarter to everyone if he never shared that. But one of the reasons why I think he's going to be very, very successful, even more successful in the future is because he does openly share these things. So this is why I'm doing this podcast episode is because I want to share with you guys some of the things that I believe that could help other people who are kind of in our situation. So, uh, Mason, uh, if you didn't figure out that's not his real name, but I don't want to put him on blast or anything. He is my college roommate and we have been very good friends for, you know, a long time now, over 10 years now. 
and he's a very good guy. So anything I say today does not take away from him being a genuinely, you know, good person uh, in his in in his own rights and his own ways. He just has a very different personality type than other people. So the very first topic that I want to talk about, and there's a couple things I want to share that we can learn from. The first thing is the fact that he loves more about Thailand and Muay Thai than I do. And this is his first time coming. So I first came to Thailand in 2008 and I tried to convince him to come and he, d- he didn't. Uh, and I, every year, every time I talked to him, I tried to convince him to come and he just didn't do it. And he eventually fell in love with Muay Thai, started doing it back in Southern California where he lives. And he got into it way more than I did. Like he could name every single fighter. He can name every single good gym. He knows all the techniques. He knows everything on paper. Even when I was competing, he knew way more than I did. And I can tell that not only would he be good at it, but he would be really, really passionate. And it could be a future career. It could be something that, you know, would really add not only happiness to his life, but maybe other people's as well. But it just, you know, he had he had reasons why he couldn't come. And I want to get into something later about why everyone has reasons, but most of them are really excuses. So fast forward eight years, he finally comes to Thailand for his very first time, trains at a great gym, and he loves it. He loves every minute of it. And I asked him, you know, it's any do you have any regrets? And I think all of you guys can guess what that regret is. He said that he would he wished he would have came sooner. And I I told him, I said, you could have came. I mean it, it's. I've been here for eight years trying to convince you to come, and he lists you know twenty reasons why he couldn't have come. And a few years ago, I would have accepted those reasons as gospel, saying, you know, I know you have a tough situation, you know, you have family, you know, issues, you have money problems, you have time issues. But guess what? Everybody does. And if if you want it bad enough, you'll just do it. So where is he now? Is he just flew back home uh, while I'm still here in, well, I'm I'm in Asia still, going back to Taiwan to do Thailand soon, and I don't think he's gonna be, you know, kind of fulfilling his passions or his dreams when he gets back. And this episode isn't about calling Mason out on blast, even though it might seem like it. And if you know you're somehow listening, or you know one of our other friends is listening, I don't want you to take this as me, you know, bitching about Mason the whole time. I want to use him as the perfect example of what I would think a lot of people fear and a lot of people go through and a lot of people miss out on. So Mason could be replaced with, you know, John, Steve, Bob, Trish, Lisa. It's it's really he kind of just universally applies to everyone. I'm just using him as an example of the type of person who knows you know what would make them happy and knows kind of what their dream is and they just doesn't do it. So you might be asking what what were some of those excuses? Why couldn't he have came? Uh, one is money, and I think every single person in the world is going to have money issues. I didn't have any money when I came to Thailand. What I did was I just sold my stuff. I sold my car. I sold my clothes. I sold my you know I just sold whatever I had. It wasn't a lot. You know you get a couple, you know a few thousand dollars. And it's enough to live here for a while. And while you're here, you can figure it out. You can either live off of savings, go back and work, and then come back again. You can do things like tutor online. Uh, if anyone want, you know, is from North America, so Canada or the U.S., and 
I, I don't even. I, I think that's all you need, to be honest. I think you might need a some kind of college degree and anything, but I don't even know if they check, to be honest. You can tutor Chinese students over Skype uh, through this service called VIP Kid. It's an app, uh, and you get I think fifteen or twenty dollars an hour. I think it's twenty dollars an hour. So you can literally work for a few hours in the morning and then a few hours before dinner because they want you to be kind of in that Chinese time, and you can get twenty bucks an hour just for tutoring. And when I say tutoring, you're not, you know, it's not like you're teaching them anything complicated. It's more of a conversational class. You can also freelance. You can, you know, build something online. You can, you know, if you wanted to build an online online business, you want to be an entrepreneur, you, you can do that as well. I talk a lot about that on this podcast on the blog. But even if you just wanted enough money to be able to live and survive, you can absolutely do it. Uh, t- you know, take a look at my blog post on johnnyfd.com called How to Make Money Online Even If You're Broke. And... That lists maybe five different ways or more, actually. I think I have, a, I have a master list on there as well of ways you can make online while traveling. And you don't need that much experience. You don't need you know anything. You just need to, the, the desire and the push to do it. So what? So money is, is never an issue. It, it's always an issue and it's never an issue. Okay. Uh, other ways to monetize is, and this is why I also know it's not a, an excuse is because right now he's in between jobs. So he's driving Uber and, you know, thank, you know, thankfully they didn't haven't banned Uber yet in, in Southern California. So that's an option, but you know, he's not working. He's, it's not like he's, you know, building a career or business or anything. So that's not the reason. And I, you know, you, you can make more money online, even with things like tutoring English, than you can driving Uber sometimes with the lower cost of living here. It just, it, that's just no longer a valid excuse. So, you know, what if you wanted to make more money? What if you wanted to build a business, build a brand? I offered him, because he's a good friend, uh, access to my old Muay Thai blog, myfightcamp.com. And I said, if you want, you can take it over, you know, uh, and we didn't even talk about how to split the profits or anything. I was happy just having him make money from the blog because it gets a lot of traffic, it gets a lot of ad revenue. He can, you know, recommend his Muay Thai gear on there or training camps or, you know, whatever he wants to monetize it. And it's one of those things where he enjoys doing anyways. He loves researching. He's, he's literally spent thousands of hours researching Muay Thai, the gyms, you know, basically what I used to do when I was running that, uh, that Muay Thai blog. And he probably could have either trained for free. He could have made money from the blogs, you know, selling gear or recommending um, you know, more Thai accessories or supplements or whatever, you know, whatever it was. And he just didn't want to do it. And when I offered him to come on this podcast, you know, I said, you don't, you know, we don't even have to talk about you, you know, cause you know, maybe, you know, he, there's a lot of personal things he doesn't want to talk about, but I said, let's talk about Muay Thai. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. And here's what I realized from that is he's not alone. He's not a bad person. He is just the the majority of people in the world, and that's why podcasts like this, blogs like mine, make so much money when it comes with good intent, and you just you continue to do it for years and years, and you build up enough audience and build up with trust. It's because people have such few resources to go to to get trusted advice from people that actually know what they're talking about who have done it, because the people who you know, do know what they're talking about. A lot of them just don't want to share it. They either don't want to spend the time to do it. Uh, they're 
lazy to do it. They feel like it's going to intrude on their lives. They feel like it's their information that they don't want to share with others, or they feel, you know, uh, otherwise, like, you know, they don't have a reason to otherwise give it to you. And I think that's a huge shame because I think information is one of is probably the most valuable thing in the world. And what I love about this format is it's it's one of those things where you can decide how valuable that information is to you. You know, I know a lot of podcasts will do um, you know ask for donations like NPR, like National Public Radio. Uh, you know, some of them will do ad revenue. Some of them do sponsorships. Some uh, some of them are like. You know, are, are like mine where it's a way to share information. And then if you want, you can go to johnnyft.com and go to travellikeapostpodcast.com. And then if you buy something through one of my links, then I get credit for it. But it's one of those ways where it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed this 145 episodes in. The, the reason why I've started this podcast as well as Invest Like a Boss isn't primarily to make money. That's never been the first thought. It's, you know, maybe the seventh thought, you know, like, you know, the first thought is, is this going to be fun? Second is, is this going to be something I'm going to enjoy doing? Third is, am I going to learn something from it? Fourth is, are other people going to learn from it? You know, fifth is it going to add value to the world. You know, is it going to open up connections? Is it going to open up X, Y, Z? And then everything in life is one of those things where, you know, nobody's going to want to continue losing money on something forever or not having time to do something because they need to get paid and they need to go get a normal job. So for example, for invest like a boss, you know, we've been doing it for all of 2016, losing $600 a month from just running it, from editing it, uh, from paying for the podcast hosting, paying for all the other things. And hopefully in 2017, it's going to start making money. But the fact is because it wasn't, you know, a way to make money or get rich quick overnight. That is why that podcast actually has more downloads than this one now because we've ramped it up so quick. We've, you know, we have the audience not only from Travel Like a Boss, but from all the big name people we've we've interviewed on that podcast. Uh, we have Sam promoting it, we have me, and we just like really, really pushed it. Uh, and it's it's information that people really, really need. So this is why I'm a bit disappointed in people who don't want to share. And it makes me think, is that just something that is like inherent in someone's personality or is that something that is just inherent in mine and it's not common? So I'm actually very curious. I, you know, and this is actually why I wish uh, I had him on the show. It's, so I can ask things like this, you know, I can, you know, I know Chris, for example, my best friend traveling with, I've convinced him to be on the show a few times, but he's, he doesn't like doing it. You know, he, he's also, he's an introvert. He likes being private. He doesn't like sharing all this stuff, but He's agreed to come on a few times, especially when we were in Europe and we were kind of in a jam where there was, you know, it was either him or a solo uh, episode, which I wasn't doing before. And so he came on because he's, you know, he's like, oh, you know what? I, I know this will this will help people. So even though I don't like doing it, I don't enjoy doing it, I'm going to go on anyways. Um, and speaking of Chris and Mason, the second point I, w- I wanted to bring up uh, was... These are actually the two, my, they were my two best friends when I first started my first dropshipping store. So three years ago, 2013, when I went back home to LA for, I think it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, I told everybody, I said, you guys need to start a dropshipping store because I'm starting to make money from it. This is awesome. It's amazing. So I showed both of them how to make it. So Chris made a store. 
uh, I, it, they were both originally supposed to be partner stores because I, I thought it was going to be a great idea. I'm going to show them you know, what to do and then we're going to run these stores together. Turns out partner stores are, are very hard. Like partnerships in general, I mean, I, I think everybody talks about that all the time. We're still kind of struggling back and forth with the dropshipping stores now that we're doing um, with the partners. So some of them are starting to make sales, but a lot of them are just, it's a lot of work because, and I, I'll go into a couple of reasons why partnerships are normally a bad idea, but uh, either way, um, what happened was that same time, it was mainly just Mason and Chris who started the store with me. So it was, I, you know, I, I think I spent a very equal amount of time. If anything, I spent less time with Chris. With his store, uh, you know, we got up and running and that was actually the Tiffany lamps. And he kind of took it over from there. With, with Mason, we started one in medical supplies uh, because, you know, he had an interest in and things like that. And the biggest difference, I think, was Chris is, was a very go-getter where as soon as I wasn't there, he took it over and he was like, why should I just sell Tiffany lamps? Why don't I sell you know these other lights and these other lamps and these other things? And he basically turned that store into a mega store where I think he now has something like I want to say 300,000 products on that store. He no, It's no longer on TiffanyLampCollection.com, so it's that that URL is now dead. Uh, he's moved it on to a different, kind of more generic um, furniture store URL. But that store is now making him six figures uh, in profit. So that is a huge store now. And with Mason's store, what happened was we hit you know a few speed bumps, as you do in the beginning, and instead of him, you know, going you know full forward and say, "Well, let's try to get some new suppliers, or let's let's you know try different products, or let's you know change the niche," he was kind of like, "Oh, right, well, it doesn't work. Forget it. Let's just kind of move on." And because it was not really my responsibility either, because it was you know something I wanted to start for him, I was like, "All right, well, you know, oh well, let's move on." And three years later, if you fast forward to see where both of them are now. Chris has been living in Colombia full time last year. He was in Europe all summer with me. He's now in Thailand and he is making a six figure salary just running from this, that store, you know, uh, and it's, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars in profit just from running his dropshipping stores. We started at the exact same time at Mason while Mason is, you know, is in between jobs now and trying to figure out what he wants to do wishing that he can afford to live in Thailand. So I want you guys to kind of think about that is same kind of guidance, I guess, the same techniques. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really guide either of them as well as I could have. I think that's just not my personality. I, I, I get very excited to just show people how to start something. I show them where they can get more information, but I am not the type to hold your hand to do the work for you. And, and that's what I've realized my strengths are, my weaknesses are. I cannot do the work for you guys. And that's why I love doing podcasts like this. I love my blog posts where I can inspire you, you know, point you in the right way, show you how, you know, where to get the information you need, but then leave it up to you to actually do the work. The reason why I'm so adamant about sharing this information is because this is stuff I wish I had when I was growing up. And if it wasn't for a few people sharing that information with me, I never would be where I am today. I I'm glad that nobody did the work for me because I don't think I would appreciate it as much or I think I would be... I'm Honestly, I think I'm more like Mason than I am like Chris, as in I kind of need someone to help me out a little bit more in the beginning 
while Chris is very independent, very gun ho, I think I actually needed a slight more, you know, push. But then once I commit, then I'll just, I'll actually do it on my own. You know, once I have that information, I'll do it on my own. So it's one of those things where I think the reason why I struggled so much my whole life trying to be successful is because I just didn't have the, even the right direction at all, and I, I kind of I needed it more than most people. I needed you know someone to say, "Hey, Johnny, this is how." You do it. Here is a course that you can follow. You can you can watch five times if you need to. You can rewind it. Uh, here is a place you can get more information if you need, you know, and things like that. And I think personality wise, I think here's here's another big difference between you know. I, I think I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop using Mason as a, as an example because this applies to everyone. Remember, so you know, we'll, we'll just call him Bob now, right? Because this is this applies to so many people. So with you know people like Chris and I. Even though we have the money, even though we're both very successful, when we go to places like Bangkok, you know, we're you know just eating normal food. We you know we go and we have like normal Thai food. If you go get a massage, we'll get a, go get a normal massage. If we go buy something, we we'll you know we'll just buy like whatever is like good quality and we enjoy. But we don't go out of our way to like ball out or splurge because we'd rather use that money for something else. We'd rather save it, and invest it in something else. But people like Bob or the, the typical American or the typical traveler, often what they do is they have this mentality where they're like, well, this is my last chance to 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 experience the thing. This, you know, this is my only chance to go buy this whatever XYZ thing. Let me go all out. Let me splurge. Let me, you know, spend as much as I can. From even from things like movie theaters. So Chris and I, we watch movies pretty much every week. I think we go to the theater two or three times a month. And when we go, we just buy a normal ticket. Sometimes we even buy the, you know, we try to buy the cheaper tickets sometimes. And then we'll get, you know, well, that's it. <laughs> we might, you know, get a bottle of water or something, but that is it. We watch the movie and we'll go, you know, three, four times a week, uh, a month. While there's a lot of people, you know, especially in the US, that they can only afford to go to the theaters. You know, a couple times a year, like once every three months, especially because it's more expensive in the U.S., but just in general, you know, they might only go to the movies once every three months. But when they go, they insist on buying the best tickets. They buy popcorn, they buy sodas, they buy all this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, we're here. Let's, you know, let's spurge out. Same thing with Disneyland. Same thing with, you know, going out to dinner, you know, whatever they do, they are the ones that love being up. So love buying upgrades. When I was on the cruise, it was the exact same thing. I saw everyone just blowing money on stupid things. Like, I don't understand who spends $70 on dinner on a cruise ship when dinner is included. And the whole reason why you went in the first place is because all the meals are included. But while we're there, what they do, and this is one of the reasons why I don't like being on cruises, is they try to upsell you these premium restaurant experiences. And usually it's, you know, $40 a person for food that you probably wouldn't even pay $40 for, you know, back home if you weren't trapped on this ship with nothing to do and, you know, and especially cause now you have the option to eat, you know, great food in the included restaurant, the included buffet. People just feel like, well, this is my one chance of vacation. Let me just, you know, kind of splurge out or splash out. And it's, this is the mentality. I think that keeps people poor. I think they talk about this in uh, MJD Marco's millionaire fast lane, but it's, it's a theory where, 
the poor like the people you know people that end up being broke or be end up being poor they actually end up spending way more much more money than people that end up being rich or successful and i think it's a it's a mindset thing so this is what i kind of hope people take away from this and this is why i'm sharing this is because i want everyone to have the abundance mindset in a way where if you think about it it, it almost it, it's almost kind of hard to wrap your head around so you have to think about it this way some people might argue or think, you know, incorrectly that the abundance mindset means the more money I spend, the more money will come in. So I should splash out and, and pay for all the upgrades, buy things that I may not necessarily need because more money will come. I think that's wrong. I think that's wishful thinking. You know, I think that's taking the secret law of attraction a little bit too far. And I think that's an easy way to get into credit card debt. I think the abundance mindset is knowing there's going to be plenty of opportunities for me to go to this movie theater or for me to go on vacation and come back to Thailand. So I don't need to spend all that money right now. I can just enjoy it. You know, normally take that extra money to put towards something else, either put into savings or to put into my next trip or invest, you know, and have that money grow. I think that is the true abundance mindset. And that the other mindset is, is more of a poverty mindset. As in, it'll keep you poor and in poverty. So, in these situations, you know, what can we do? And, and it's and it's so crazy because I'll talk to talk to friends back home who, you know, they will say they they wish they could travel more or longer or have more money, and then I'll offer them very concrete solutions. I'm like, why don't you try this? And they'll be like, ah, no, because X, Y, Z, you know, and usually. You know, they know that they say it's time or money. It's something that people can kind of counter argue against. So they say like, oh, okay, that's, you know, I understand, you know. um, But if they give the reason that's something beyond them, so something like it's like their family, you know, it's like, oh, well, I got to be there for my mom. I got to be there for, you know, you know, my brother or my dad or something. You almost can't argue with it because then you just seem like a, you know, a prick to even bring that up, like, oh, well, it's family, you can't, you know, you can't argue against that. But I guarantee there is a solution. You know, would my mom's life be easier if I was there physically to help her all the time? Yeah, of course, right? But does that really make her life better? No, because she becomes reliant on me or self-dependent on me and she can't, like, live her own life. Or, like, you know, and, and here, here's a good example is every time I'm, I'm back home in the U.S., she, you know, hands me like a stack of like mail or she hands me her her phone and says, you know, can you show me how to do this? You know, oh, oh no, sorry. She says, can you do this for me? And I will say no, but I'll show you how to do it. So then you can do it yourself next time. And I think that's the mentality of someone who, you know, actually cares, you know, because if you just do it for them, I know you're coming from a good place that you care but you're really not helping them. Like you're really making their life life worse because now they're hundred percent dependent on you to do it for them versus them doing it themselves. And here is the greatest thing about forcing them to learn how to do it. Or you know, you, you know, even if you say, "Well, let's figure this out together," uh, and that way you can do it, is now you're giving them the tool to be able to to, to do it themselves, and they have to become self reliant. The best thing that Anton ever did with my first dropshipping store is he never did any of the work for me. I actually remember I used to wait, you know, up to a week, you know, before I would see him again to ask him a question about something. And 
he would just sit down next to me and he would Google how to do it. And then he would say, here, and hand it back to me. And then I would follow those instructions. I would do it and it would work. And I'll say, thank you. And then the very next time I had a question, I would say, you know what? Why am I going to wait a week to ask him for his help when he's just going to sit down and Google how to do it and show to me, why don't I just Google it myself and figure this out? So I think that is a very, very valuable life lesson is that we have to just learn how to be independent and just be able to figure things out for ourselves and stop making excuses on why we need to help other people. I guarantee you by me giving my, giving my mom the freedom of you know letting her live her own life and then helping her out financially because you know that's something that you know I guess what would help be even better is if I taught her you know how to make you know, some passive income online. I don't know if that's you know something I want to like personally do. It's like a very big task to undertake, especially because she doesn't speak English that well. Uh, she's terrible at computers. Uh, she's only really been using it for a while. So for her to start a side business or you know do something, I think it's going to be a, a monumental task, to be honest. But I'm not delusional. I know that would be even better for her. So instead of me giving her $1,000 a month, if I can show her a way that she can make an extra thousand dollars a month online or passively, it would be way better. So I guess that's another point is we don't have to be perfect. You know, we just have to acknowledge and not lie to ourselves that we are not, you know, we can say, I think if someone said to me, yeah, I, you know, if Mason said to me, Johnny, I know I'd be happier. I know I want to come here. I know I'm being a bitch or I know I'm making excuses. Uh, and this is, you know, and I, I'm aware of that and, you know, but I'm going to do this right now. I would at least say, okay, well, you know, <laughs> at least you acknowledge it. It's fine. But if someone says to me, you know, they want one thing and then they do something else, then it's, you know, it's, then that's a different story. And especially, you know, when we have like bad spending habits. So, you know, as an example, you know, on our last day in Bangkok and, there's gonna be two sides of this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know my side first, and then what I've kind of learned from it is, you know, I know that you know Mason's out of money, so you know he you know he's not really working right now. He just spent a lot of money on his trip, and he wants to come back. So his one of his priorities should be saving money. Um, but you know he you know when we we're looking at just normal Thai places to eat, which is very cheap to eat in Thailand, you know we were just gonna go have some normal food somewhere, which probably co- would cost us couple bucks a person he starts looking up a gourmet steakhouse that was gonna be you know 10 times the price of thai food and i'm like what are you doing like first off you can have steak when you're back in california in two days and then second like it's like why are you spending the money on this and he's like oh it's okay they take credit card that like the fact that you have to put something on a credit card means you shouldn't be buying it in the first place then we went to go get a massage. Instead of going, getting a massage for 250 baht, which is like, you know, $6. And the kind of the reason why people get massages so often in Thailand, he starts looking up spas and he insists on going to a place that was more than double that price. You know, and at first he wanted a place that was like four times that price. And I was thinking, what are you doing? Like, why, like, why were you going to the most expensive place? And when I brought that up, it wasn't, you know, he didn't even say, um, he didn't give me the reason why he wanted, you know, wanted the expensive place. He said, Oh, don't worry. It's my treat. And I thought to him, like, what are you doing? Why are you treating other people when you yourself should be saving money? You know, and it's, it's one of those things where I, I feel like when people, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's a catch 22. What came, you know, first the chicken or the egg, but 
Is it because he doesn't want to feel broke or he doesn't want to seem broke that he wants to treat other people in a, uh, as kind of like a, a bump to either his ego or to his parents? Or is that the reason why he's broke in the first place is when he's spending money when he shouldn't be? And a lot of people I know do this. I mean, I have a friend who is like $20,000 in credit card debt, yet he just had a wedding that cost you know another twenty thirty thousand dollars that his his parents paid for, but I would have told the parents like, look, don't give me a wedding. Help me pay off this credit card debt so I can I can build life and I can start having you know I can have kids and I have a family. On top of that, he went out and bought gifts like hundreds of dollars worth of like seized chocolates and nice candies to give to all the family members. You know when he came to see them. As kind of like, uh, you know, sorry, you couldn't make it to my wedding. You know, here's, you know, here's some like, here's some gifts. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're in credit card debt. Like, you should not be spending hundreds of dollars on anything, especially like anything, you know, like on gifts. I would literally just tell people, say, you know, hey, I am broke. I'm in debt. You know, let me get out of this. You know, why don't you come over? I'll cook for you. You know, like, let's go to the park. Let's have a picnic. Let's go spend quality time together. You know, let's do something that doesn't cost any money. If my friends wanted to go to a restaurant and I was broke and I was in debt, I would say to them, I, I can't go. I'm broke. You know, but if you want to come over to my house, you know, you, we can we can cook here or, um, you know, let's go out afterwards. Let, you know, let's do let's do something else. And it's I don't I don't know where this mentality comes from. I don't know if this is something that. It's just because we were never taught this in school, this this financial literacy, the financial education, but it's it like it really just boggles my mind how people can spend money that they don't have, you know, and put themselves further in debt, and then have it be an excuse why they can't do something. If anyone has an answer, I'd love to hear it. You know, please leave a, a comment in the, in the show notes here because it's it's one of those things where maybe I'm seeing it wrong. And here's here's uh, one you know, and, and I really try to see the other side. So with Mason, I actually figured out one of the reasons why he wanted to, to go to that fancy spa instead of like a, a basic one, and it's because it was his last day in Bangkok, and he knew that this was his last chance of getting a massage for a long time. So instead of risking it on a mediocre one at a cheap place or a standard place, he wanted to go to like you know, one of the best ones and have a great experience so he can kind of savor and cherish that So for when he goes back home to his normal life. While for me, I get, you know, two or three massages a week because it's so cheap to do here in Thailand. It just, it just becomes a normal thing that I don't really care, you know? Even though I do enjoy nicer experiences sometimes, it's not needed. You know, it's it's one of those things where I figure, hey, hey if I don't get the best masseuse this time, I don't have the best experience this time, I'll just go in a few days and I'll enjoy that again. So it's not blaming Bob or Mason or any particular person. I think it's kind of blaming the whole mindset. And this is the reason why I really wanted this episode. And this is the reason why I really, really wanted Mason on here is so I can get his point of view because I can be completely wrong. He can have a reason for thinking the way he did. You know, and very valid, you know, I don't want to say excuses, but very valid reasons, very valid point of view that I can't think of. But because he didn't want to come on and share, I can't explore that. And I have to only be able to give my point of view now, which even though I try to think of both sides, it's literally impossible because, you know, I can only think of what I can think of. So 
this is why I encourage people to share so much and talk so much is because if you don't share, nobody knows and people can't help you and you can't really help yourself. So for everyone listening back home right now, I want you guys to kind of self-examine your own lives, where you're, you're at and the things that you know would make you happy, the things that you want to do and the reasons or the excuses why you haven't done it. You know, I'm going to put myself on blast right now uh, because, you know, I want to be transparent. I want to be fair. Uh, even though I've had a very, very good financially, I've had a terrible year with my health, and my diet. And luckily, I know exactly what to do. And this is why I'm actually not actively going out and asking, uh, you know, reading more books or asking for more information or asking for more help is because I'm fortunate enough where I've, I've found something that really works and I've been through it and I know it works. And I know with like everything in the world, you just have to actually do it. You have to put in the effort to do it. So the diet plan that I was following, you know, when I when I wrote Life Changes Quick and I talked about it in there, I know it works. You know, I know I'm overeating. I'm, you know, drinking beer. I'm eating bread. I'm eating pasta. I'm eating potatoes. I mean, you know, way too many carbs. I'm just eating too much in general. And I'm eating like fried stuff. I'm just eating a bunch of crap that I just know I shouldn't be eating, you know, uh, and I'm not exercising consistently enough. And that is why I'm so overweight right now. And the plan for 2017 is simply just to do what I know works. So, you know, right now, if anyone said to me, Johnny, you're fat, I'm like, I know. <laughs> and that's it. And and then, you know, I say, I'm working on it, or I, I know what to do. I don't have an excuse on why, you know, or I don't, I don't say, you know, and it's, you know, everyone's gonna have reasons. It's like, so I have reasons why I fell off my uh, my diet uh, or my exercise plan because I was in Europe. I was, you know, focused on other things. It wasn't my priority. X, Y, Z. But those are just kind of reasons, excuses. Deep down inside, I know it's still my personal responsibility. I know it's my fault. It's not someone else's fault that this happened. And I wonder how that applies to everyone else's situations right now, whether you want to be more successful financially, you want to be more location dependent, you want to be your own boss, you want to get in shape, you want to travel more you want to learn, you know, a language, whatever it might be. And everyone has different goals. And I think one of the things I try to do on this podcast is have everything be pretty, um, pretty, you know, open. So you guys can figure out what it is that makes your life worth living or, you know, your life kind of the best version of your own life. So if this has helped, you know, I appreciate if you guys leave a comment on this episode. It is 145, the Travel Like a Boss podcast, or you can always join the Travel Like a Boss uh, Army. It's uh, a Facebook group. You can just join the email list to get information on that. Just to kind of give you guys a quick update on my travel plans since we're here. Right now, I am in southern Taiwan right now. In uh, this, I, I flew into Kaohsiung, which is right by a little tiny, tiny town called Pingdong, where my cousins, uh, my aunt and my uncle lives. One of my cousins is getting married, and the only reason why I came, to be honest, because we're not that close, is my parents, my sister, uh, my niece and nephew flew from the U.S. to Taiwan as a reason to, you know, to get together. So they wanted to come to the wedding. They wanted to see Taiwan again. They want to eat some of the good Taiwanese food and some, you know, some of the tropical fruit. But it was also a good excuse for me to come and meet them up. So I'm spending five days with them here in Taiwan just to hang out and. It's ironic that I spend more quality time with my parents now that I live, you know, I guess in Asia or Europe, wherever I am, 
than when I lived in the same state. Because when I lived in California, I lived in LA, and they're in San Francisco, it was still eight hours away, which means I would only come up and see them maybe two or three times a year. And when I did, it'd be for like two or three days. And during that time, I was busy, they were busy, and we just didn't really spend that much quality time. But now, when we do see each other, I just saw them a few months ago in Europe, and we spent like 12 nights on a cruise together. We were in, then we spent like another uh, couple of days in Italy together. And we were just together the whole time. And and this is how it is here in Taiwan. So for the next six days, I'm with them basically 24-7. Uh, and it's one of those you know ways where because nobody has any responsibilities while they're out here, we actually spend way more quality time than we did when we were back home, when we were back in the U.S. So if that is a reason or excuse for anyone you know, to kind of be away, you know, not to travel as much or not to live, you know, away. That is, you know, there's always a way to kind of get around that. Um, and I think it comes down to this, you know, this lifestyle isn't for everyone. And there's definitely a lot of downsides to this. You know, there's lots of pros, lots of cons to everything. But I think there are two truths. One is we don't know what we don't know. So we don't know if we're going to love or hate it or it's going to change our lives or it's going to open up opportunities unless we actually do it. So until you actually do it, you can't, you know, you can't know for sure that this is something that you're not going to want. Uh, and the second is there's never excuse. I think there's always reasons why things happen or why things might be a little bit more difficult, but there is no such thing as you know, as a real excuse on why you can't do something. A very, very inspirational article that I read today that I'm going to share in the show notes of this this episode uh, is from a guy named John Morrow. He has an article called Seven Life Lessons from a Guy Who Can't Move Anything But His Face. And I'm just going to read you the, the first paragraph because it's amazing. He wrote, it's not a joke. The only parts of my body I can move are my eyes and lips, my hands, feet, Arms and legs are almost totally paralyzed, managing the occasional twitch and nothing more. And yet, I have an amazing life. Using speech recognition technology, I've written articles read by more than 5 million people. I've also built several online magazines that have shockingly made me a millionaire. You can't be real, you say. You did all this and you can't freaking move? Hard to believe, I know, but it's true. I do it all from home, sitting in my wheelchair, speaking into a microphone. So I'm going to link this article because it is a inspiring and fascinating story from a guy who was born with a degenerative spinal disease where he he's literally in a in a wheelchair exactly how you imagine and he can't move at all he can just speak and in in here he talks about how he decided basically instead of just being comfortable back in the US and having his life kind of just taken care of by insurance, he decided to risk it all and say, you know what, if, and, and here's, you know, here's the downside of support or help when other people help us, or even when governments help us, if you, we become so dependent on them, you know, and obviously he's always going to need, you know, things like nurses or care. And I, and by that, I don't mean dependent because if you're hiring someone to help you, that is not, you know, it's not, it's it's different than you getting a handout from someone. So for him, he was getting a handout. It's you know basically with his you know uh, Medicare or whatever it was, it was covering one hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of medical bills every year. And if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't be able to live. He wouldn't be able to survive. So you know it's great that he had that. But the problem with it is 
he was not allowed to work. I think if he made pretty much any amount of money at all, it would just go away. It was only valid if he was making, you know, $700 or something or less or less. So he just couldn't do anything at all. And I mean, his life has been filled with reasons why he legitimately could not do something. Why he can't travel, why he can't be a digital nomad, why he can't build a business. If anyone has excuses, it'd be him. Valid excuses, it would be him. But what he did was he just risked it all and he said, you know what? I'm just going to figure it out because the worst thing in the world is for me to do nothing and just die unhappy and unfulfilled. And I wonder how many people really think about that. Is if we just continue to do exactly what we do and we don't go for the things that we want, are we going to die one day with regrets of not accomplishing or not even trying to do the things we want to do, not living in the places that we think might make us happy, not going after that dream or that sport or that achievement that we're going to wish. And I know 100%, and I told Mason this, I said, if you don't try this, I guarantee you on your deathbed, you're going to regret not living in Thailand for longer than, than you could have. You know, and I said, it's, it, this is kind of like your last chance. You know, he's my age. And if he doesn't do it now, I guarantee you he's not going to do it five years from now or 10 years from now. So hopefully he does exactly what I did. He's going to, you know, he'll go back to the US. He'll, you know, sell his stuff. He doesn't even need to quit his job. He just needs to sell his stuff, you know, pack his bags, sublet out his place and say, you know, I'm going to Thailand for a few months because I know this is going to make me happy. I know this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, I want to figure it out. And for you, it might not be Thailand. It might not be Muay Thai. It might not be, you know, the exact same thing that I did, but it might be your own version of it. And it's insane where some people just don't want to even take that first step. They don't want to just, they don't want to do anything. You know, he, I gave him a copy of my book, which is, which is literally the blueprint to come into Thailand to train Muay Thai and live cheaply. And, I, and his, one of his best friends in the world wrote it. So he, and he's living it and he's successful at it. And he just refused to read it. And it's silly because he also asked me a bunch of questions that I've answered in the book. I would tell him, I said, you know, I'll, I'll answer this, to, you know, for you because you're my friend. But just to let you know, I read in vivid detail in the book on this and he just refused to read it. So at the end of the day, I have zero empathy and zero sympathy in that if, he goes back and his life is not great. If he's not successful, he's not happy. You know, if he, next time he bitches or complains about anything, I'm just going to brush it off because I've re- like really, really tried to get, you know, show him the right way. And I'm sure he has reasons. I'm sure he has excuses. And it doesn't necessarily make him a bad person, but it also is the reason why his life is the way it is. You know, I, I think that with all our lives, we are handed a certain set of cards. Some people have great cards. You know, some people are handed a royal flush when they're they're born, or at least you know, pocket aces, or you know, some other great attributes. Some people are handed great genetics, great you know, great health, you know, um, heights, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes. You know, some people are just handed good things, and then some people are not. Some people are dealt a crappy hand, but. If you just keep playing the game of life, if you, and you just keep trying, just keep, you know, saying, I'm not going to take any excuses. I'm just going to keep going forward. Like this John Morrow guy who is in a freaking wheelchair and can't even type. And he's made a million dollars from his blog. If this guy can do it, there is no excuse why we can't. And if, if we don't succeed, I don't blame anyone. I do not blame 
anyone in the world for not being successful today. I will never, ever look down on someone who's grinding their butt off trying to be successful. I only roll my eyes at people who say they want to do something and and do the exact opposite. So that is today's rant. I hope you guys enjoyed kind of listening to this solo podcast. Uh, It's one of those things where, to be honest, I sometimes I think, you know, maybe I'll just skip this week's episode and I'll wait for the next, you know, for next week when I'm back um, somewhere and I have a guest. But there are some things I just want to get off my mind that I think that might resonate with some of you guys. So if you you guys did enjoy this episode, please let me know. Let me know on Facebook. Let me know on Twitter. uh, Let me know in the blog comments. And, you know, I'm never going to get rid of the interview format because I really enjoy that. But if you guys would like these supplemental solo podcasts uh, and you guys learn something from it, let me know. And that way I can continue doing it. Uh, If you guys do like the podcast in general, uh, please continue to leave these great reviews on iTunes because it helps so much. I mean, you guys are the reason why this podcast and the new Invest Like a Boss podcast have taken off so much. It's because of people like you who have taken the time to log in and leave a review on the iTunes store. I want to read the most recent one. Uh, it's by Robert Ludzvisk from Sweden. Five stars, he says. An awesome podcast that will give you tons of inspiration and knowledge with what with lots of new ideas. Johnny is really sharing his honest experience and he's talking to a lot of inspirational entrepreneurs who share their own knowledge. Highly recommended Travel Like a Boss podcasts. It's a good idea to have a pen and paper so you can take notes of all the awesome information. Thank you very much, Robert from Sweden. Tusen talk, Robert from Sweden. And hopefully, uh, I'll be able to read your uh, five-star reviews sometime soon. And I will see all of you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.